greater is he that is in us than he that in the world is in the world and that's anything that would come against us in this life he is greater and he's right inside of us amen so we will release the children to your classes and let's greet each other in the name of the lord and give someone a greeting We do have some special guests with us today, and I'll get, introduce them more in a moment, but we have Gerald and Shirley Durstein and Randy, what's your last name? Sharp. Randy Sharp. And so just welcome. You're so welcome. So thankful you can be with us today. A few things I want to share. <coughs> One, um, Herb Brumenschinkel, who is on... Um, the medical mission trip to Zambia returned actually early this morning and they ministered to many physically but also there were those that received Christ there on that trip and um, he, he wrote this I just saw this a few minutes ago uh, thank everyone for your prayers I made it home a bit after midnight this morning or today this morning I'm very tired and body clock is screwed up. Travel time was from first airport to home was about 48 hours actual. Time in planes was about 21 hours, lots of time sitting in airports. I need to rest up today and get some things in order before I go to work tomorrow. I'm sharing this is so you can continue to pray for him, you know, in the coming back home here. Trip was really good, I suspect the we will do it again next year. Very poor people, poorer than those in Kenya. Many knew Christ, especially the elderly women. When you would talk to them, they would just light up. For the other people, many claim that Jesus is their personal savior. Clearly, the churches have been teaching people to accept Christ. But having, uh, I think this is so interesting for us to <coughs> grasp. He says this, he says, clearly the churches have been teaching people to accept Christ, but having the Lordship in their lives or commitment to follow him seem to be missing at times. Clearly, for some, there is a disconnect between being a follower of Jesus and have that impact your life. I thought it's so connected with that new song that the team taught us this morning about going a little deeper, going deeper in the Lord. Um, go back to a few announcements in a moment, but I want to mention this. We are going to receive an offering. We're going to pass the plates, actually, so the ushers could get ready to pass the plates here. Uh, for Gerald and Shirley and um, the prayer house, has anybody ever been in the, and when I say the prayer house, I mean where the Holy Spirit poured out there. How many have been in that house? Raise your hand. I want to see quite a few. Um, that's where in 1955, I think it was, oh. that the Holy Spirit came. At least I, I think my understanding is some believe that's the first where in the denominational churches 
This is a Mennonite church that the Holy Spirit was poured out like a beginning of the charismatic movement. And uh, Gerald was there, his wife Beulah at that time, um, and others. I've been in that place. What a presence of the Lord I sensed in there. And we had a meeting in there. We had a prayer meeting. And Gerald shared while we were there. I saw the patched ceiling where it's in the shape of a cross where Amos had right. <laughs> knocked holes through the, the sheetrock in the ceiling. But the Holy Spirit was poured out. And we are going to receive an offering for a restoration of that place today. Uh, if, you, if you make out a check, we'll give you just a moment to do that before we pass the plates, but uh, make it out to TCC and then we'll write a check for that uh, later. We wanted to do this so that they could get the check today before they leave. So just give a few minutes and then you can pass that. But I want to read this scripture. It's from Proverbs 3, starting in verse 9. This is the Passion Translation. This is the one that my mom got me connected with, this translation. Uh, Glorify God with all of your wealth, honoring him with your best, with every increase that comes to you. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings. Did you catch that? Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Wow. So, we will, in a moment, few moments here, we'll be passing the plates for the prayer house, but then also other tithes and offerings you can put place in the, in the boxes that we have on the back wall. If it's a designated offering, you can use the prayer envelopes to designate what those are. Um, Lord, we just thank you for your, the joy that comes in giving. We know we worship in spirit and truth. This is really part of our worship. And from cheerful hearts, but as we give, it gives. It's just the right kind of a cycle. The joy just comes flowing forth and we give in the name of Jesus today. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Okay, just a couple more things. This Wednesday, we will not be having our regular Wednesday activities with our Independence Day holiday. Uh, Next Sunday, Pastor Kent Dudley will be leading worship and bringing the message. Um, Actually, Joyce and I and some of well, Mom and some of our siblings will be going to a church in Amherst, South Dakota, where my dad pastored, um, and it's their 100th anniversary, Zion Reformed Church. And so we will be there next Sunday. And then just a heads up, too, on Sunday, two weeks from today, July 14, we will introduce our TC, our church families. Mideast Mission Team. That's going to be going on August 10th through the 21st. And uh, we'll have a special focus for financial offerings on that day, 
but you can give it any time also for those going on this trip. But we'll introduce the team. Um, but again, if you would like to give even today, you could do that and again, place them in that box on the wall, the box, one of the boxes with an envelope. So, Gerald Durstein has had a real influence on my life and my wife's, and, uh, and also I include Beulah in that. We're so thankful that the Lord has given you Shirley now, right. uh, your wife. And, uh, but yes, you, you've influenced our lives in a good way, a good way. And for many years, I think it's close to 30 years, you've been coming here to Ten Strike. And uh, you didn't even know where Ten Strike was before you came, but now you know. You know pretty well. You've been here. You know the way. I asked Gerald, I says, our service starts at 9 o'clock. I says, is that too early for you? And he said, no. He said, just go to bed a little bit earlier the night before. And so they made it. And so uh, we just want to welcome you here today. And Shirley, why don't you... Why don't all three of you just stand up so that people can see you and just face them? And uh, we welcome you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for coming to church this morning. You wouldn't have had to, but you chose to because you're very special people. It's such a delight for me to be back here again to Ten Strike, such an interesting city in the state of Minnesota. When I told people I'm going to go to Ten Strike, they'd take a second look at me. What did you say? I'm going to a, a church where there's as many people in the church as there are in their town. <laughs> I like to tell them that. But thank you, Pastor Steve, and your precious wife, and all your relatives and family here in this community. I feel at home with you. And by the way, I'm excited. In case I don't act that way, just forgive me. Because honestly, inside, I am thrilled. I'm excited, and I'm blessed. I want to share some things with you this morning that I shared with about 17 churches on my way up from Florida. We started the first week in May when we departed from our home in Florida to come to our home in Minnesota. But I chose this year to go by way of Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, Ohio, Indiana, to visit many of the churches that I spoke in many years ago. You understand, a few years ago, I was an old man when I was in my middle 80s, I was in bad shape. I uh, walked around with a cane. I was bent over. And well, I was getting older. And people thought I was getting old. And I agreed with them. And uh, I found myself saying, ouch, when things would hurt. And I found out that was not scriptural. Because I had arthritis in my left hip. And that made me bend over. I was bent over. I'd, I could hardly get in and, in and, in and out, out of my automobile. 
I had to give my lawnmower away. I couldn't get on my lawnmower anymore. That was when I was in, in the middle 80s. I'm now going to be 91 in a few more weeks. I'll be 91 of age. I'm a little older. But I prayed for God to renew my youth. You know what? God answers prayer, and he can do it. And I'm getting younger all the time. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Jesus. I think the last time I was here, I probably told you my story about how I got healed of my arthritis, didn't I? I don't remember, but when I was saying, ouch, I couldn't find that in the book of Matthew. None of the disciples of Jesus ever said, ouch, when it hurt. I couldn't find it in Mark, Luke, or John, or even the book of the Acts. And one day I prayed, I said, God, I've been asking you to heal me of my arthritis, and you never seem to hear my prayers. Am I not saying the right words? He said, that's correct. I was not saying the right words. Well, what should I be saying? And he told me to go to 1 Thessalonians, the very last chapter in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And there's the words that say, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks. You mean when it's hurting, I shouldn't say ouch? Correct. God said, you should be saying thank you. Why? Because the scripture says, in everything, you mean everything? You mean even when it hurts, say thank you? Does my word say everything? It says everything. In everything, give thanks. So I made myself do that. I told my wife at that time, from now on, you're not going to hear me yelling ouch or even getting loud with my groans. Every time I get loud, I'm going to be praising God. Because his word says, in everything, give thanks. And I had to do that only... Two days, the second day I was doing it, all my pain departed, my body straightened out, no more pain. That's about four years ago now. That happened down here at Strawberry Lake. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> By the way, it only takes one pill. That's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and just do what the Word says, do it, and God will bless you for it. But what I'm teaching and ministering on now in my senior years, I have a very strong passion about giving the church an understanding of the resurrection side of the cross. There's two sides to the cross of Jesus Christ. The first side is to know that without the shed blood, you cannot be forgiven of your sins. And then the second, other side is he was resurrected from the dead. And he chose to meet with the people again after he was resurrected in a different form. He came back to people again in the form of his Holy Spirit. And now you and I can either believe we're on the resurrection side of the cross or we're on the other side still hoping to get saved. No, when you became born again, you became a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And God has really revived my understanding of the spiritual things in the Word of God. There's a verse in the Bible that caught my attention recently, and I want to read it to you. It's from 1 Corinthians 15, and verse number 34. It says, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. 
Then he says, I speak this to your shame. And I thought about that one time. Do we really have a knowledge of God? I mean, we said all our, all our Christian years, and we always said we believe in God, we believe God exists, but maybe we're not too sure just how real God is. And then I studied this whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 15, and God began to show me a lot of things I was not conscious of before. Then actually, when you become born again, you become an absolute new creature. And what brought it to my attention was the death of my wife, my wife, Beulah. When she passed away, I was dreading the day of the funeral. We were going to have her body in a casket in our church. And I knew that all my relatives were going to be there, my children, my grandchildren, my friends were going to be there. And I was afraid I might cry. I didn't want to cry in front of people and in front of my, front of my family. I did some of that in my home after she passed away. I felt bad about it. And I was dreading that day. But lo and behold, the day of the memorial in our church, I got awake at 2 o'clock in the morning in my bed laughing. I mean, laughing hilariously, out loud, so loud, I was afraid the neighbors would hear me. I thought, what am I happy about? This is the wrong time. I'm supposed to be, this is the day I was dreading, but I was just, <laughs> I was so happy. And, and I got a hold of myself, what am I happy about? This is the wrong time. And after I contained myself, God spoke to me very clearly. He said to me, Gerald, Beulah did not die a week ago as you supposed. Beulah fell asleep a week ago. Beulah died 66 and a half years ago when she became born again. And that came to me again, a little louder. Gerald Beulah, your wife did not die a week ago as you supposed. Beulah fell asleep a week ago, but Beulah died 66 and a half years ago when she became a Christian, when she became born again. Then it came the third time, and the fourth time it got real strong. And I thought, I remember reading in the Bible that when people died, their scripture said they fell asleep. So maybe, maybe God is for real. Maybe he does honestly believe that when you got saved, that's when you really died. Come on. That should cheer you up. That means if you're a born-again believer sitting in here, you already are dead. No wonder you're so cheerful. <laughs> Actually, when you become born again, your spirit was quickened by the spirit of Jesus. And I studied that word quicken. I discovered that word quicken means you are revived. Once you were dead, and now you were revived into another dimension, another life. Maybe the life of Christ. Maybe we become a Christian at that time. What do you think? I mean, a person with the spirit of Jesus Christ in us. And if that would be true, maybe we've been resurrected. Maybe when we got saved, we were actually, I mean, our spirit was resurrected. But who, spirit, what do you mean the spirit? 
Well, I discovered that when, my, when the spirit departed from my wife, Beulah, everybody thought we got to get rid of her. I mean, we put her in a box and we called up a business called Undertaker. And they had to dig a deep hole in the ground and put her, I mean, Beulah, her body, the whole thing, got to be buried. But the invisible part of her was no longer in her, and we have known to her to be the late Beulah, no longer the current. So perhaps the most real part of you is actually invisible. What do you think? I mean, if the spirit would depart from you, your friends would not have you around much longer than a week at the most. They're going to put you in the ground too. Come on, get with it. We got to lighten up. We got to brighten up and understand that maybe the most real part of our life is totally invisible, kind of like God. Whoa. Is God a spirit? Doesn't the Bible tell us somewhere that they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth? And maybe the most real part of you is your spirit. I remember we had in our fellowship of the Gospel Crusade Ministerial Association, Brother Roy Allabach. He was the president of our fellowship of ministers. He was a very close friend of mine. I ordained him into ministry many years ago. And he passed away at the age of 88 or 89 it was, and, and I came to his funeral. Every time I'd meet Pastor Roy, he would always wave at me. He was always smiling, always cheerful, very close friend of mine. And I went to his funeral, the memorial, at his church that he was pastor of in Pennsylvania. And when I walked up to the casket, I saw Roy laying in that casket. And I, I was disappointed. He didn't even, not even a finger came up to say hi, Gerald. I thought his hand would, at least, at least a hand would come up and say hi to me. Kept looking at him, he didn't budge. I touched his hand, it was cold, hard. I touched his head. First time in my whole life I got close to that guy, my friend, I called him a guy, that guy, Roy. And he didn't even wink his eye at me, didn't even blink at me. I mean, the real Roy, my friend, was not in that body. His spirit departed, but we were ready to dispose of his body. I mean, the real part of you is not your physical, what you look at with your physical eyes. That part of you is temporal, temporary. But the real part of you is made in the likeness of God. And that is spirit. And that's something that we need to understand in these last days that we're living in, because the physical is about to be dealt with by God. Our world is going to go through a transformation. It's going to be changed, changed by fire. The other time it was changed by water. And the Word of God tells us it's not going to be changed again by water. There's a rainbow to prove that. But the next time it's going to be changed by fire. But anyway, I want us to understand something that Jesus is alive and well in this world today. 
And what caught my attention was a scripture in John chapter 13, and I'm going to turn to that right now. And this came at Easter time two years ago. In John chapter 13, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And um, chapter 13, and at about verse number 36, Simon Peter was having a problem with Jesus. Jesus said many times to his disciples, I'm going to be leaving you shortly, but where I'm going, you cannot come with me. And that troubled the disciples, Peter especially. Here's what Peter said in John chapter 13 and verse number 36. Simon Peter said unto Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, whither I go, you cannot come with me now. Can you all say, now? That's what he says. Whither I go, you cannot go with me now. Come with me now. But thou shalt follow me hereafter. Can you all say, hereafter? That's after a now. That caught my attention two years ago at Easter time when I was preparing a message for Easter to my church in Florida. And I thought, he tells Peter, where I'm going, you cannot go with me right now, but you shall follow me afterward. And I thought, when is that afterward? When is the afterward part that we can follow Jesus when they couldn't follow him at the time before he was crucified? Because Jesus knew he was going to be crucified. He knew he was going to be put to the grave, and he knew he was going to be resurrected from the dead. But does he come back again? After he gets resurrected? Let's see. I kept on reading. I came to chapter 14, two verses down after that verse. And here's what Jesus said to his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. I like that verse. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Hmm. Wonder where he went. That's shortly after he, that's before he was crucified, he said these words. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And I remembered a little song that we used to sing in church when I was a boy. Into my heart into my heart come in to my heart lord jesus come in today come in to oh you heard that before stay do you ever wonder what he's doing there might be a good idea to think about that a second thought is do you think he's alive while he's in you though probably not just something made you feel good when it happened, but he probably jumped out when you got scared. No, I don't think he did. No, I honestly believe if you welcome Jesus into your heart, he's still there. And I think he still has the same mind he had in the beginning given to him by his Father as to what he wants to accomplish in this world that we're in. But he's going to do it through people. You knew you were a people, didn't you? 
I know I gave this, this little lesson before to you, I give it everywhere I go, that I, some years ago, I realized there was a problem in our world. I was living at Strawberry Lake at that time. We had lots of trees over at Strawberry Lake on the White Earth Reservation. And I thought, the problem is there's too many trees on this earth. So in my mind, I decided we're going to cut all the trees down and bury them all, bury all the wood. Get all the trees off the earth and solve the world's problem. But after I had all the trees buried, I discovered the problem was still here. Then somebody suggested it's got to be the birds are getting too huge in the air and our airplanes are crashing into the big birds. Okay, let's get all the birds out of the air, bury them all. Then somebody, after the birds were buried, the trees were buried, we still had a problem. Then somebody suggested, it's the fish. The fish are getting too big and our boats are crashing into fish and people are drowning. Let's get all the fish out of the water and bury them all. Something that God created is a problem in this world. So we had all the trees buried, all the birds buried, all the fish buried. And somebody had the nerve to suggest, it's got to be the animals. The animals are polluting the earth's surface. Get all the dogs, all the cats, all the cows, all the animals, goats, get them off the earth, bury them all. So in my mind, I had all the animals buried, all the fish buried, all the birds buried, all the trees buried, but we still had a problem. Then somebody gave a wisecrack and said, it's got to be people. No, no, don't say that. That's what I am. I'm a people. I don't want to get buried. But I gave it a thought. If people are the problem, what would it be like if we bury them all? Bury all the people that I discovered the trees could grow, the birds could fly, the fish could swim, the animals could roam. Whoa, that's us. People might be that. Then I want God to do know people are the problem in this world. Then it dawned on me, I believe that God did know that. I remember Jeremiah saying, the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah knew, God knows it. Maybe that's why God sent a man to be the answer to the world's problem and not a tree. He sent a man and not a bird. He sent a man, not a fish, he sent a man, not an animal. His name is Jesus, and you know exactly where to put him. Put him right next to the problem. The problem of this world is the human heart. So Jesus comes into your heart to change you and give each one of us an understanding of what we're here for. We're not here just to go to church. We're not here just to have a good feeling that someday we're going to fly away. Oh, won't it be wonderful there? But what about here? I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly. I used to wonder, where, where are they going? We fly away. Maybe the one that we were looking forward to seeing once we fly, fly away, maybe he's actually here. Maybe he came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Maybe, maybe 
God came from heaven to earth to show us that. And wasn't it, wasn't it Jesus that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Maybe God the Father had in mind to change our world by putting the way, the truth, and the life into the heart of man, the heart of people. Because people are the problem, and God's going to use people to be the answer, to be the container of the answer. Come on, somebody say amen. <laughs> I'm having a good time telling you about it. And by the way, I forgot to tell you, since I'm past 90, I quit preaching. And in front of all the churches I get to, I promise them I won't preach to them. I'm just going to talk to the people. And that's what I want to do to you this morning. I'm going to just talk to you. Is that okay? I'm tired of preaching. I've been preaching so long. And I'm, when you preach, you've got to do it well. I mean, you're supposed to learn how to be a preacher. You go to school for that, to learn how to be a good preacher. And when you sit and listen to a preacher, you're just hoping he gets done in an hour's time and gets a sermon, does a sermon well. <laughs> but if I just talk to you, every once in a while I'm going to stop, I'm going to ask, are you still listening? Can you hear me? I'm talking to you. So I'm going to talk to you this morning. Let me explain to you from, first Corinthians, I mean from John 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Maybe that's what Jesus had in mind when Peter said, Jesus, where are you going? And Jesus answered, said, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall afterwards. Maybe Jesus came down in the form of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Maybe when you became born again, you were resurrected from the powers of this world to the powers of God's kingdom. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, which implies if you become born again, you can actually see God's kingdom right here in, in Minnesota where we live and pay taxes. In fact, two verses after that, I said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So apparently, God must have reference to the kingdom of God can be actually in Minnesota where we live. Well, if we believe that God came from heaven to earth in the form of the Holy Spirit, and if God is here, and Jesus was literally God manifest in flesh and walked on this earth for those few years that he walked on this earth to show us how we could actually live now when we have God resident in our lives. I'm talking about the resurrection side of the cross now, after we've been born again. Maybe God did save us from the powers of this world. Maybe God did empower us since we became born again. Maybe God did actually come inside of us and chose to live inside of us since we became born again. Can you hear me? I'm still talking to you, but I'm getting a little louder once in a while because I don't want you to miss it. <laughs> I love you too much. By the way, I'm excited about this. 
because I honestly feel that God's kingdom has come. I remember praying the Lord's Prayer for so many years. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Minnesota as it is in heaven. Really? Is that possible? It could be possible if God would be alive in Minnesota. If God was really in Minnesota, it's very possible his kingdom could be manifest and realized in reality where he is, where God is. In fact, you wouldn't even want to go to heaven if God were not there. What makes heaven heavenly? The presence of God, God's love, God's peace, God's joy, God's goodness, all that what God is in heaven is what makes heaven heavenly. Maybe we could even say that if God's kingdom is here, we could also say we're in the dimension of God's kingdom of heaven right here. No, you're not really in heaven. There's no golden streets we're walking on here. But there's going to be another resurrection. Our bodies are going to be transformed from the corruption, corruptible into the incorruptible when he comes back in person. But can we actually know Jesus before we see him <clears throat> with our natural eyes? Can he actually appear to us when we are seeking him? <clears throat> is it true that <clears throat> Jesus is what John 1.1 says? John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word the Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word came in the form of a human whose name was Jesus. And God had in mind that people on this earth could look at Jesus as a man would actually be seeing exactly what God was intending for people to become like. Has it occurred to you that you are actually constantly changing into the likeness of Jesus since you have become born again? Born what? Born again. You know, the first time you were born, you were born a human, right? Yes. I mean, God made something out of you that you were not before when you were born the first time. So if God could make a human out of you, maybe God could make a spiritual being out of you, kind of like Jesus. Are oh, you still listening? I'm talking to you. You gotta think about it. Maybe God does want us to believe that we're becoming like Jesus while we're still here sawing down trees in the forest, in the woods, while we're still here going to Walmart, buying groceries, while we're still here and go fishing, that actually we're growing into the likeness of Jesus. We'll never be Jesus, no, no. Not more, I'll never be Willis Durstein either. Willis Durstein is my father. My name is Gerald Durstein. But when I was first born, I was born a baby, a little infant baby boy. Now listen to this. This might throw you. But when I was a little baby boy, six pounds and nine ounces, a hunk of flesh, little thing, reddish-looking, 
hunk of flesh. And adults were around that little baby boy and thought, they'd look at my dad, Willis Sturstein, the man. Oh, someday this little guy is going to be like his father. I mean, that's what, that's what people thought that years and years ago. And when they see a little baby girl that was just born, they'd look at their mom. Someday she's going to become a lady. That little baby infant girl, female, going to become an adult woman someday. <clears throat> In fact, isn't it true that whenever we see a baby of anything, we believe that baby is going to mature and become adult? If it's a baby fish, a little fish, it's going to become a mama papa fish, a little baby dog, puppy dog, or become a mama papa dog someday, a little baby cat, a little kitty cat, become a mama papa cat someday. How about a baby Christian? Most Christians aren't afraid to say that. Don't expect much of me. I'm only a baby in the Lord. But some have been saying that for five years. Something wrong about that. If you are genuinely baby in Christ, you should understand you're not going to remain that way. You are destined to come into the likeness of the one responsible for the birth. Hey, that excites me. Woo! Oh, while I'm still here, I can expect to be changing some more. I'm not going to stay the way I am. I'm changing from glory to glory. He's changing me, changing me. He's changing. You ever hear that song? From earthly things to the heavenly, the love of God shown to the world. God is changing us. God wants us to begin to believe that, to know that. We're not going to stay the way we've been. We're not even going to stay the way we are. We are constantly improving. That made me one day, made me think about it when somebody asked me, good morning, Mr. Durstein. How are you today? I used to say, oh, I'm just fine, doing wonderful. Thank you. One day after I said that, I know I'd said that so many times. I'm just fine. And I remembered I'd think about it. Now, that wasn't the total truth. I was fine in two areas, but two other areas I wasn't fine in. And I that's not, I'm, I'm kind of selling a little lie there. I'm not always that fine. So I prayed up. I said, Father God, am I saying the wrong thing when I tell people I'm fine every time? And I feel like I'm telling a little lie because I'm not always fine in every area. And God suggested, no, I'm not saying the right thing. Father God, what should I be telling people when they ask me how I am? He told me. He said, when people ask you, how are you, tell them you are improving. Oh, <clears throat> good morning, Mr. Durstein. How are you today? I'm improving. Thank you. <laughs> or was something wrong with you? Were you sick? Something wrong? No, I said, would you like to know how to improve? Yes, how do you improve? Stay alive, I tell them. Stay alive. We improve with age. Oh, you mean kind of like wine? You got that right. However, you've got to stay connected to the vine. Do you know who the vine is? If they're a Christian, they light up like a light bulb. Oh, that's Jesus. But if they're not a Christian, they say, no, who is the vine? Just tell them, Jesus. Then you walk away. They'll never forget you. <laughs> Why can't we say that? because we believe the Creator Himself is resident within us. His name is Jesus, and if you, your ears always hear you say you're improving, that's the only direction that you can go. Woo! 
on. Quit staying the way you are. Hey, I'm still talking to you, by the way. I promise you I wouldn't preach. This is so exciting. Let's come back to uh, 1 Corinthians 15 again. Something very interesting there in 1 Corinthians. Uh, before I go to that, let's go to Acts 9. This really caught my attention too. Talking about Saul. Remember Saul who became Paul on the road to Damascus? Chapter 9, the book of Acts, verse number 3. Talking about Saul. As he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Saul thought he was persecuting Christians. But a voice out of heaven said, Saul, Saul, what are you doing? And Saul said, who are you? I'm Jesus, who you are persecuting. Saul thought he was hurting people. But God in heaven said, not just people. When you're hurting Christians, you're hurting Jesus. And that excites me. You mean I can honestly believe that Jesus is alive inside of me? I think he wants us to believe that way. Because all my lifetime, when I was first born, only one day old, I was born a Durstein. All my 90 years that I've been alive, I'm still a Durstein. I'm not one bit more Durstein than what I was a day old. And I'm 90 years later, plus, almost 91 years later, I'm not one bit more Durstein than what I was when I was first born. When you were first born, you were born with the Spirit of God, and you were born to become a godly person when you were born again. Is that possible for people to become godly once they get converted? What do you think? Can people become godly when they become a Christian? It's a good thought. Then second thought is, if you can become godly, is it possible to become godlier, more godly? Once you already know you're somewhat godly. The answer is yes. You can become godlier. Then may I suggest another suggestion? If you can become godlier and godlier, is it possible that you could actually become godlike while you're still paying taxes in Minnesota? <laughs> is that too much? Does that scare you, frighten you? It excites me to make me realize that maybe that's what God had in mind when he came from heaven to earth to show us the way in the person of Jesus and then suggest that Jesus can come into your heart and he can influence your life and guide your life, lead your life. And I'm suggesting that each one of us take a new look. Don't stay the way you've been. Don't be satisfied just being a church member. Become aware that you are a son of the living God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Whoa, that's beautiful. Now I'll come back to 1 Corinthians 15 again. 
I was going to go there, but I stopped there at about Saul. 1 Corinthians 15 says, verse number 35, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. Let's read that slower. That which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. See, God does expect us to believe that there's a part of my life I should believe is dead or is going to die. It's going to, it's our problem. Really, your problem is you, not your neighbor's dog. Not the neighbor's cat. <laughs> it's you that gets bothered when the dog is barking all the time. <laughs> the dog might be having a good time. The cat might be yelling real loud at night, and that bothers you, and you get bothered. So really, me is me problem. Now, for thou what thou sowest is not quickened except to die. Now, verse number 37, and that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance of be a wheat or of some other grain. He's suggesting if you sow what you don't want, you let it die, something new comes out of it. Kind of like the farmer, when he plants the grain of wheat, he expects to get a lot more wheat. When he plants the grain of corn, he's going to get a lot more corn. And maybe that's what God had in mind when he planted Jesus. Going to have many more people on this earth just like Jesus. But they'll never be Jesus, just a replica of Jesus, having the same spirit. So in verse number 38, But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Every seed gets his own body. Then he says in verse number 39, all flesh is not the same flesh. There is one kind of flesh of men, that's people, another flesh of animals, beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies, and there are bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, but one star differeth from another star in glory. So also, here it is, so also is the resurrection of the dead. I'm still talking about the resurrection of your spirit. When you gave your heart to Christ, you gave your life to God. Your spirit was given into the hands of God. So also the resurrection of the dead, it is sown in corruption it is raised in incorruption. You were given eternal life that when you became born again. You now can claim you have eternal life. It is sown in dishonor. It's verse number 43. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Now, we're all acquainted with our natural body. We've got to eat food to keep it alive, keep it happy. That's our physical, natural body. But he's also talking about a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. Now, that's the part I want to emphasize this morning. We need to become acquainted with a spiritual body that God gave us. 
Well, one thing we've always been taught that the church is the body of Christ, many members in the church. But we believe that in each member is the presence of Jesus. So we are one of the members of the body of Christ. And by the way, if that's true, then that means God would be living inside of us. God's in the church, in a corporate body, also individual body, my body. Know ye not, know ye not, ye are the temple. I'm the temple of God, so are you. Maybe this is the Father's house. In my Father's house are many mansions. I used to always think, no, they had to be up on some other planet called Planet Heaven, which we never discovered yet. Nobody ever found out where it's located. Maybe there is not a Planet Heaven. Maybe God decided to dwell in people. Maybe the church is actually his temple. Maybe my body is where God dwells. Maybe this is the Father's house. In my Father's house are many mansions. I used to be troubled with that word mansions. I was always taught, always believed that mansion meant a big building with many bedrooms, many bathrooms. But then I gave it thought many times, why would we have to have bedrooms in heaven? Not going to be any rainstorms up there. Not even going to be any night there. We're not even going to get sleepy. There's no night in heaven. And why do we need bathrooms? Are we going to be eating a lot of food and have to go to the toilet all the time while we're in heaven? I don't think so. I don't think we need toilets, bathrooms, or even uh, bedrooms. I heard a preacher that's a theologian claim that that word mansions is a wrong, not the right word, not from the original. It means in my father's house are many places or positions, position with God, next to him, further away from him, closer to him, depending upon your faithfulness to following Jesus' instructions in your life. It gives you a closer, in my father's house are many positions or many places. If it were not so, I would have told you. Then Jesus said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And Jesus knew he's going to come in your heart. And he's going to guide you as to what to do, what not to do, not to get you saved. You've already been saved. You came by way of the cross. But now we're in his kingdom, and he wants to show us how to walk his walk and do his will. So he says, your body is... Let me read this more in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go on further. So he said... In verse number 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Then he says, there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was Jesus. He was made a quickening spirit. So Jesus comes to you as a quickening spirit and causes your spirit to be converted, changed. I like to put it this way. When you are quickened, you are marinated with Jesus. Whoa. You ever eat any meat that's marinated? It gives a different flavor. Tastes better than just ordinary. And anyway, 
so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth earthy. That's my natural self. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. You know, you can be seated with Christ in heavenly places while you're right here in Ten Strike, Minnesota. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Woo. Well, we're here in Minnesota where we got to pay taxes. Anyway, that all excites me. I feel good about what I'm talking about. God is a spiritual reality. And we actually, when you became a Christian, it all came because of your confession. Our confession is extremely important to us. If you confess what you only feel all the time, you'll stay what you've been. But if you confess what God's Word suggests you are, you'll become what God's Word says you are. You have the right to believe in yourself, or you can believe in what God suggests, says to you is yours. I was given eternal life when I became born again. And I believe that I don't have to think I'm getting old forevermore. Because I discovered the Bible says when I became born again, I was given eternal life. So I may claim that if I want to, whatever that means. I know my body is getting older and my body is going to go through a change eventually when Jesus returns. But in the meantime, I can say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. May I suggest to you, if there's two words that you say a whole lot of times throughout your daytime, get adjusted to saying, thank you, Jesus. Because if he's living in you, he hears you say that. If he hears you say that, you're going to motivate him to give you what you talk to him about. But if you talk about your problems, you talk about your troubles, you talk about the situation around you that tells Jesus that's what you believe in. You believe in what you talk about the most. Let's talk about Jesus. Da 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 I don't remember all the words. I'm not a good singer, but I sing anyhow. You don't have to be good at what you do. Just do it. Is that okay? In fact, I even discovered recently there's not even a right way to do the things for God. Let me explain. I used to always think you've got to do it the right way or don't do it at all. No, there is not a right way with God. You know why? Because God doesn't do anything wrong. Everything God does, he does it perfectly. Not right or wrong. No, no. God every, does everything perfect. So what God's looking from, for from you is not to do it right, but just be obedient and do it. Are you all still listening? 
<laughs> you can only get better at it if you do it. You can't get worse. You're as bad now as you'll ever be right now. There's something you want to do you've never done before that's the right thing to do. It's according to God's word. Just step out and do it. Hallelujah. Still talking to you. Are you all still listening? I look back at my life and some people think I accomplished a lot in my lifetime. And almost everything that I look back at what I, what I see physically that I accomplished, almost everything, I don't even know how to do it. And I didn't know how to do it when I had to get it done. I had a vision for it to be done, and I started talking about it, and I do with what I had in my hands. But then other people would come and help me that knew how to do it. And yet after it's all done, they think, Brother Durstein, you got a whole lot accomplished. Me? I don't even know how to do it. In your weakness, God's strength becomes dominant. So don't wait to learn how to do it before you start doing it. Just start. I know that's not what society says. Society says go to school and you've got to be trained. You don't find that in the Bible anywhere. Go to school first. No, just say study the word, show yourself approved unto God, but do what God suggests to do it in your weakness and he'll become your strength. <clears throat> I'm going to have to close. I think I, <clears throat> I think I talked long enough to you now this morning. But I want to get this one point across to you that you are for real in the eyes of God a spiritual being. Your spiritual body as real as you are a physical body to your neighbors around here. <clears throat> From God's point of view, he accepts you into his kingdom as a child of God. And when his word says what you can do, if you have a feeling you should do it, start doing it. Talk about it and attempt to accomplish what God says you can do. And you'll discover he'll back you up. He'll back it up and you'll find yourself accomplishing something or even a miracle happen. For example, if somebody in your home is sick, don't think you've got to call up Pastor Steve to pray for that person. First thought is, you pray, because you have Jesus, God, with you, and when you pray for that sick person, even if you feel you don't know how to, I'm not sure if I know how, God knows you don't know how. That's why he comes inside of you, so you allow him to do it through you. God specializes in weakness. In fact, I found a scripture. I have a sermon on that. I spend a whole hour preaching on just the word weakness. It's something to be celebrated. Because if you do the will of God in your weakness, you'll find many miracles will happen through you. Because it's not a matter of knowing how, it's a matter of obedience, just doing it. Thank you, thank you very much for listening to me. I wrote a book called Destined to Mature. I wrote this many years ago. I have them, some with me this morning. But I'm convinced that Christians are expected to become a replica of Jesus in this world. That's me. I want to become more like Jesus. Because I honestly believe I have his DNA in me. I have the DNA of God in me as real as I had the DNA of the Dursteins when I was first born. And I have a lot of resemblance of my father, Willis Durstein, now that I am become an adult. 
My father, he passed away at the age of 89. So I have two years on him already. Not quite two years. But anyway, I'm enjoying life. God wants you to enjoy life. I'm going to pray and ask God to bless you. Let me say this in closing. About two months ago, I went through a peculiar, wonderful experience with God in my kitchen at my home. I was reading the Bible at my kitchen table, and my wife saw it come over me. Something enshrouded me. It just came all through my insides, around the out, like a cloud came over me, and blessed me immensely. And it gave me such a hunger for his word. And I began reading the New Testament. I read it through in just a few weeks' time. Every the words of Jesus were just jumping out at me. It seems like I became born again, again. Actually, I began to think, maybe I was raptured at that time, Brother Jim. <laughs> Something good happened to me, and it hasn't left me. And I believe that's going to happen to many of you. Start thinking about the spiritual body. You're in the kingdom of God while you're here now. It's not coming in the future. We've been taught for many years, when we die and go to heaven, then we're going to be in God's kingdom. No, he came from heaven to this earth to show us the way. Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. Get a life. <laughs> Come on, what are you waiting on? Get a life. Start confessing it, thanking God, the life that God gave you. <whistles> that was a whistle. At my age, my voice doesn't carry it, but my whistle stays the same pretty much. <laughs> Anyway, thank you for letting me share with you this morning. I have books, Fire Over Israel, with me, and I have the book following the fire about the revival. I have some of those books back at my table, and a few of my sermons I have on tape also. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for letting me share this morning these few minutes about your goodness toward us. I ask you, Father, just give each one of us incentive. Give us motivation. Give us understanding, Father. We want to understand. We don't want to only be a hearer of your word. We want to be a doer of your word. We want to do things we've never done before. We want to fulfill your plan. We believe your kingdom is coming. Your will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are your instruments. We are your people. We are the ones that you have anointed us. You have empowered us. Help us, Father, to believe it and do what we've never done before, but do it in the name of Jesus Christ, knowing, Father, your will shall be done in Jesus' name. Bless this congregation. Bless Pastor Steve and his family and all the workers in the church here. And bless this whole community up here in the northern part of Minnesota. Cause your perfect will to be done in your kingdom to come. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. <clears throat> Pastor, come. Hallelujah, he is good. Thank you so much, Gerald. He satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles, and I can see that on Gerald. And the thing is, he imparted that to us. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we received it this morning. 
He satisfies our mouth with good things, good word, so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Uh, our youth renewed. I just want to share with you, when I was here yesterday, right here, the Lord had something prophetic with me. The last words that he was sharing with us and I know this is what he's imparted. I spoke it concerning sound solutions. I spoke it concerning lives, decisions. He's speaking thoughts to us. That's right. That we've not thought before. And he wants us to act on them. Yes. He had that same word. He's showing us things that he's not shown us before. Some of them are just little Little things, some are bigger things. He wants us to act on them. Do it. Do it. So I confirm that prophetic word he had there. And I release it in the spirit realm now concerning our sound solutions. Unorthodox, the way the Father God wants them to be. And we'll all be pleased in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And I know, I, I remember four years ago, I was at Strawberry Lake and uh, had lunch with Gerald, Joyce and I did, and uh, he could hardly walk. He could hardly get up. And he was bent way over like this, and he was walking like this. And I've seen a lot of people that age stay that way or just keep getting worse. And it doesn't matter what age. I've seen younger people too that way. But the word is this morning. As we wait upon the Lord, he will renew our strength. We'll mount up with wings as eagles. We'll run eagles. We'll walk and not be weary. We'll walk, we'll run and not, we will go. And we'll do it. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's for us to receive, to do, to walk in it. Some in here have felt like, well, I guess I'm just that age. I'm just, this is just going to, I'm just going to go that direction. The Lord's saying, no, turn around. Just do it. Yeah. Walk the word. Do the word. When the Lord tells you something, do it and say it. I am becoming more and more convinced of this thing of the words that come from our, off of our tongue and what we say and the difference they make in our lives. And I see it in Brother Gerald. I see it. He's a living testimony of it. And you, we all can be living testimonies of it. And it's not just talking about our physical health. I feel a song right now. Oh, the Word is working mightily in me. The Word is working mightily in me. No matter what the circumstances, what I see or feel, for the Word is working mightily in me. Yes! <laughs> Just do it! 
Don't stay the way you are. <laughs> Enjoy life. God has come to give you life and give you life abundantly. Woo! <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just having a good time. So, as we close the service here, be free to come up if you would like prayer or something. We'll have folks here to pray with you. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior and been born again, please come and we'll pray with you. And then also we invite you for fellowship meal. Our young people have been working on it. I believe it's pulled pork or something like that. And so uh, we'll have that also for fellowship in our fellowship hall. And uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is that it, Lord? I believe that's it. God bless you all. And there are books. Remember, there are books in the back there that you can. Thanks for coming also, Shirley and Randy, today.